He is risen. And we've gathered here today, some 2,000 plus years later, to celebrate that event. Let's read that account this morning, shall we? Again, from the book of Matthew, chapter 27, beginning of verse 62. The Bible says this, The next day, that is, after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate, and they said, Sir, we remember how that impostor said, While he was alive, after three days I will rise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he's risen from the dead, and the last fraud will be worse than the first. And Pilate said to them, You have a guard of soldiers. Go, make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, his clothes white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them, saying, Greetings! And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would speak to us this morning. We're here with our eyes on you, Lord. Ah, make your word alive to our hearts. Help us to know your presence and your love for us today. We give you the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And I forgot to say a warm welcome to those who are Zooming with us or watching online. Great to have you with us this morning. Now, there have been a number of books uh, written on the proof of Christ's resurrection, so I'm not going to go into a lot of detail this morning. Uh, the ones that really do it for me, though, uh, are the fact that, number one, the tomb was empty. That's kind of a biggie. Um, but two, the notion that a ragtag group of disciples is going to overpower an armed Roman guard and steal a body, hello, uh, no, not going to happen. Uh, that trained armed Roman guard uh, was... If they were found guilty of letting things go, uh, they would be in big, big, big trouble. They, they, they wouldn't want that. So then you have, number three, you have the Jewish leaders, again, thought Jesus was a fraud, uh, wanted with all their might to just put this thing to bed. They didn't want this, this Jesus Messiah thing to go any further. That's why they handed him over to Pilate in the first place. So they wanted him gone, right? So now think about it. Here's two groups. Number one, the, uh, the Romans, who would be embarrassed by this time, what do you mean the tomb's empty? What do you mean the body's gone? 
right? So they would turn over every single stone in Jerusalem looking for the body of Jesus so they could save face, right? The, the, the Pharisees, the elders, uh, the, those, uh, the leaders that handed Jesus over to the Romans, they too would have turned over every stone looking for this body so they could put this rumor to death, right? Didn't happen. We have no history on that whatsoever. No body was ever found, okay? That's number three. Um, number four, there are more writings attesting to the resurrection of Jesus Christ than any other historical event in history. That's pretty cool. And number five, finally, um, the disciples who were at first after this, uh, you know, after Jesus was, was crucified on the cross, they thought, uh-oh, we're in trouble, right? So what were they doing? They were hiding in an upper room with a locked door, scared as rabbits, thinking that any time the authorities are going to come and arrest them and put them to death too. But something happened that turned this scared group of rabbits into those who would go out into the streets and proclaim a risen Christ. Something or someone changed their minds, right? Convincing, convincing proofs. So all in all, we have one of the most factual historical accounts in all of history. And we could certainly today come here and celebrate that fact. Uh, we could celebrate the holiday of Jesus' resurrection. A holiday that unfortunately is sometimes lost between the bunnies and the candy. I mean, how many different flavors of peeps do you need in this world? Did you, did you even see peep-flavored Pepsi? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I guess I, I didn't really taste it, but I'm, I'm just thinking it. Okay. Ah, I can't believe that's a real thing. But what really, let me, let me ask you this morning, what really is the resurrection of Jesus in the event itself? I mean, if I can say that reverently with all my heart, what good is it unless it impacts our lives today? Okay? Think, think about the Internet. The Internet absolutely changed the world, didn't it? We, 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 we see that every day. But what if you live in a remote village somewhere, often, you know, no, no man's land with no electricity? What good is the Internet to you? If everybody's, hey, Internet, 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 you can do this and you can, I can't do anything. What's there to celebrate, right? So if the resurrection doesn't impact our lives today, what are we doing? What are we doing? So, the question is, what does the resurrection of Christ mean? Or what can it mean to you and to me? I share a message this morning I'm going to call the cause to celebrate. Cause to celebrate. The Apostle Paul was an up-and-coming figure, star really, in the Jewish religious world. He was a Pharisee, one of the select group of men who were probably the strictest law keepers as far as the law of Moses went. Um, they, they, they memorized it. They kept it to the, to the nth degree. And uh, they were known uh, all over Israel, respected for their position, for their piety. Um, 
And according to the historian Josephus, the Pharisees were considered the most accurate interpreters of the law and quite influential throughout the land of Israel. But now Paul, after receiving Christ as his personal Lord and Savior, he wrote in his inspired letter to the church in Philippi that he counted all that as rubbish. Depending on your translation, the word literally means dung. Okay, uh, Counted it all as dung. Uh, gratefully put all that aside, all of his position, uh, power, uh, preeminence, etc., 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 for something far greater. Let's look at it. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. He says this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. In this passage, in these two verses, I believe this is what gives us cause to celebrate. This, these things that he's going to be talking about here, uh, we're going to be expounding on here, uh, are what the resurrection means for our lives today. Number one, he says this, that I may know him, that I may know him. The resurrection of Jesus Christ means that you and I today can know him personally, not just about him, right? I mean, he's a historical figure that lived in the past. So was Isaac Newton. So was Abraham Lincoln. We can know all about those guys as much as we can read, but we can't know them, can we? The resurrection of Jesus means we can have a relationship with the risen Christ. Because He is at the right hand of the Father, because He has been restored in full divinity, because He is spirit, He can be where we can interact with Him. We can know Him. We can have a relationship, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Number two, Paul says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. The power of his resurrection. The power of the resurrection is the breaking of the power of sin and darkness over your life and mine. Jesus died on the cross, right? He took upon himself, Bible says, that God laid on him the iniquities of us all. And he took those iniquities, all of our sin, on himself, died on the cross, and was judged. Now, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Everyone who sins dies. God told Adam and Eve that right in the garden, right? Way back in the beginning, you sin, you die. Now, what would have happened if Jesus hadn't rose? That would have meant that Jesus was a sinner just like everybody else. He wasn't the Messiah, and we're all in deep trouble, right? But he did rise. He did rise, which meant that he was innocent. It meant that his innocent sacrifice was acceptable to God on our behalf. The blood was applied, and now you and I, our sin can be wiped off the books forever. That's the power of the resurrection. He rose. We are the beneficiaries of the forgiveness of sins. 
It's the breaking of the power of sin and darkness. It's the breaking of the hold of the past. The Bible says if anyone is a, a, in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is past, the new has come. We come into a whole new relationship with God. The past, all of our brokenness, all of our wounds, all of the rotten stuff that other people did to us, all the rotten stuff that we did, it's gone, it's under the blood, as we like to say. And we have a new future in relationship with God. Our past no longer defines us. Amen? The power to live, the power of the resurrection is the power to live a new life as Christ by His Spirit comes to live in us. Not just... See, the Old Testament, they had the law of Moses, right? You've got to do this, you've got to do this, you've got to do this, you've got to do this. They couldn't keep it. Guess what? Neither can we. But we have a new covenant where the Spirit of God comes to live in us, leading us, guiding us, right? The power to live a new life. I want to talk about that new life this morning. I've asked one of our deacons, Thomas, a.k.a. Bart Barton, to... Um, Bart came to the Lord rather late in life, um, but he experienced quite a transformation. Uh, and I'd like to have him... I'll let him share it for you this morning. Good morning. Pastor Ron asked me to keep this about five minutes. I told him I'd get it under an hour, so we're somewhere in between there. If someone had told me 15 years ago that I'd be up here talking to you today, I would have laughed in their face. 15 years ago, I was a different person. I drank a lot, but I wasn't an alcoholic because I didn't go to meetings. I read and watched a lot of porn. I swore a lot. Practically every other sentence had a GD this or F that in it. And Jesus Christ was just another swear word to me, often with a middle initial or middle name. And there was a lot more I could tell you if I had the full half hour. I didn't persecute Christians like Saul did, but I sure did mock them, make fun of them, especially when I happened to see somebody praying in a restaurant. Now I realize how much that must have hurt my wife Elaine, who was a Christian since she was a young girl. But I did go to church regularly, every Christmas and every Easter. Hey, that's regular. And I'd throw a dollar in the plate. And I'd look at the program. Oh, let's see, they just sung that. Oh, they just did that. Another 20 minutes. Oh, oh now they're into the sermon. Okay, now we're doing this. Now they're passing. Okay, we're out of here. Um, I did pray once about 50 years ago. Many of you know that Elaine has MS. She was diagnosed in 1972. I prayed pretty hard for a couple weeks after I learned of that diagnosis, but 
nothing happened, so I guess I decided that either there was no God or the prayers didn't do any good. I used to say we were lucky, now I say we're blessed because most of her contemporaries who had MS are either in a nursing home or have passed. She is still walking, talking, reading, driving, quilting, doing just about everything she used to do, although slower and not as much. However, in 2009, the MS hit her optic nerve and her sight got fuzzy. I was devastated. I remembered the last time I prayed was when she was diagnosed, but now I had nowhere else to go. Jesus brought me to my knees, and I turned to him. I sat in the conference room one afternoon with my boss, crying my eyes out, holding her hand and telling her why I couldn't do my job that day. I like to say it was like a light switch was flipped. It wasn't that immediate, but it didn't take long. I got rid of all my porn, drastically reduced my drinking, still have a beer once in a while or a shot of Crown Royal. I do like Crown Royal. And surprisingly, I quit swearing, something I never thought I would do, something I never thought I would have any reason to do. Oh, yeah, hell or a damn slips out now and then, but that's about it. But the change in my life has been dramatic. Not only am I up here talking to you now, I've been a regular at church for a number of years. I've read the Bible front to back four or five times. I'm obsessive compulsive, anal retentive, perfectionist, control freak, and proud of it. So I start at page I and read II, III, IV, all the way through all the footnotes. And I'm halfway through it again. I've led Bible studies. I tithe. I've also become a deacon. And I've even preached a couple of sermons. And come May 21st, I'm going to be baptized. Truly, I was resurrected from my life of sin and death and given a new life with Jesus. And if you have not yet accepted Jesus as your Savior, if you don't know him in your heart, please feel free to call or text me, see me after service. I'd love to tell you what Jesus has done for me in more detail. Thank you and God bless. Thank you, Bart. Not everybody has a uh, uh, dramatic uh, story like that, but I think it illustrates the the power of the new life. Some 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 of you have been blessed. I know Rick talks about it all the time. He, he found out about the love of Jesus when he was just a, a, a young boy and uh, didn't have that come out of this into this situation. But Jesus is a life changer. The power of the resurrection uh, to change a life. So many of you could probably stand up 
and share as Bart did this morning. So number one, that I may know him. Number two, the power of his resurrection. Number three, Paul says, I want to share in his sufferings and be like him in his death. Is that in there? Oh, boy. Um, Does that all mean that we have to die on the cross? No, that's not what it means. Think about it. What were the sufferings of Christ all about? They were there so that people could be reconciled to God and know Him. So that they could be delivered from the power of sin and darkness and live a new life and be freed from the hold of the past. And so joining in with the sufferings of Christ, being like Him in His death, talks about doing our part to help other people come to the knowledge of Jesus, to help other people to come to know Him. That's not always easy, is it? Uh, even if you do it right, even if you build relationships with people, treating them with love and kindness and respect, and then share the good news, not everyone wants to hear it, like Bart didn't 20 years ago, right? Uh, it may mean being labeled, being criticized, ostracized, or made fun of by certain people or certain groups, even our own families. In other parts of the world, as you know, it can mean a whole lot more. Places like Iran and other places where you get, they, ha they actually have funerals for you when you turn to Christ, right? Persecution's a whole lot more than we face here in this country. But again, Paul would say that any and all of that is worth the cost because we ourselves become part of something far greater than ourselves, something eternal, something that can literally change another person's life forever. Amen? Sharing in those sufferings with Christ. And number four, he says that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. What's he saying? That he might himself go to heaven um, and that it's earned by doing these things he's talking about? No. Um, because he will go on to say in verse 12, he says, not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect. He says, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus had made, has made me his own. Obviously, he wouldn't have uh, attained the final resurrection from the dead while he still lived on earth, right? So what, what I believe Paul is talking about here um, is the object of his pursuit. He was once, as we all are before receiving Christ, spiritually dead because of our sin, separated from God. You know, that's what death is. Death is separation. In its, when, when, when we die physically, our spirit is separated from our body, right? We're not, we're not just annihilated. We don't just cease to be. It's just that our spirit is separated from our... When God told Adam and Eve in the garden, the day you eat of that tree, you will die. They didn't fall down dead. They were separated from God. They entered into spiritual death like we all do because of sin. Paul is saying that because of Christ's resurrection that we can be made alive as we receive Christ. Reconciled to God, living in that relationship with God, true life as we were created to experience in the first place, a life infused with the presence of God. 
and the wisdom and the peace and the strength and the joy and the hope that goes with it. Paul says he hasn't arrived, but he is pressing on to experience the fullness of that life. We, we, we won't ever arrive. Uh, in, in one sense, that sounds defeating, but in another sense, there is always another level that you can get to in your relationship with God. There is a closer intimacy. There is a, a higher ability to hear His voice. There is more fruit to be born in our lives from that relationship. There is more peace to know, more joy to know, more hope to know, more strength to know in our relationship with Him as we grow. So Paul's saying, I want it all. I want, it, I want to attain the resurrection from that. I was dead in sin. I want to attain the fullness of this resurrection life. So whether you have received Christ as your Lord and Savior, or you will make that life-changing decision today, you can have cause to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. One that you may truly know Him. Two, and know the power of His resurrection, the wiping out of sins, the power of a new life, the power of freedom from the past. Three, that you can have a part in the most important and critical work in, in the history of the earth, right? Because... Someday this is all going to be gone and only eternity is going to matter. And one day we're going to look back and say, hey, oh, you ever heard that song, Thank You for Giving to the Lord? I'm, I'm, basically it says, I'm here because of what you shared, right? how you impacted my life. Someday the only thing that's going to matter is that we're there and that other people are there because we had the opportunity <laughs> to share the good news with someone else, right? We can have a part in the most important work on earth. And number four, we can press on like Paul, hit that next level, always growing, always experiencing more of the fullness of the life that God has for us. All of that because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not just a historical event, but something that impacts our lives each and every day. Amen? Amen. He is risen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for loving us so much. I mean, you could have condemned us. You could have said, hey, you're sinners, you blew it, that's it, I'm done with you. But you loved us. And you showed us that love in the most incredible way. You're the one we sinned against. You're the one who took our place on the cross and died for us. So that we could be forgiven. So that we could be cleansed. So that we could know you and be filled with your spirit. Wow. What an incredible, awesome God you are. Father, I pray that if there's anyone in the sound of my voice that does not know you personally in that way today, that they would open their hearts to you. Jesus said, if I, that I stand at the door 
and I knock. If anyone would hear my voice and open that door, I will come in. While our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed this morning, is that you? Do you hear that knocking on the door of your heart? Is this your day to finally open it up? Not to a religion, not to a church, but to Jesus Christ, to know him personally. If that's the desire of your heart, just say it. As I say it out loud, say it in your heart to him with all of your heart. Say, Jesus, that's what I want. I'm opening my heart to you right now. I want to know that I'm forgiven. And I want to know this God who created me. I want to know this life that the pastor's talking about this morning. I want it all, Lord, like Paul. Take my sin. Take me as I am. All my faults and failures. Save me. Be my Lord and be my Savior. And I thank you for it. Jesus said, I will come in. The Bible says, they that call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you open that door to him this morning, he has opened the door to a brand new life for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And for those who have already opened that door in the past, are you pressing on? Are you pressing on in your knowledge of him? Is your goal like Paul, I want it all? There is so much more that we can have as we pursue him together. Awesome life in Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us, your faithfulness and your love. Bless each and every heart here today. Through Christ we pray.